Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now we have all had one of those days. You come home from the office and you start questioning everything. Is this what I want to be doing? Is there something more? How can I make a change in my life? And then you throw out a crazy idea to your partner. Hey honey, why don't we renovate a vintage trailer and travel around the United States for a year? For most of us, we let that crazy idea pass and go about our normal evening. But what I love about my guests today, Melissa and Carson, is that they ran with that crazy idea and did just that. They spent over a year renovating a 1968 fan travel trailer and then spent a year on the road with their Golden Doodle Costello, spending each week in a different state, picking up local color along the way. In this episode, we discuss going with the crazy idea, the beauty in planning and growing before the adventure has even begun, living with less, and taking the choice away from ourselves to build better habits. Melissa and Carson are a bunch of fun and very honest about their year in a tiny house on wheels. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Melissa and Carson. Hi guys, how are you? Hey, we're all right. Doing well. That is good. So it's Carson and Mel, and whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today? We are in Lincoln, Nebraska right now. And I guess that question, where are you today, has been a bit difficult for you both to um, answer lately, as you've both been traveling around the United States for the past year in a 1968 fan travel trailer that you renovated. Yeah, that's right. We've been moving from state to state, about one state a week, I mm-hmm. guess. So, Wow, that's uh, it's amazing. And so take me back, I guess, to that moment when you decided that you were going to do this. And how did that conversation really begin? <laughs> yeah, well, it was me who suggested it, which is really odd because I'm usually not the one to take a big risk and suggest a big adventure like this. But I'd had a particularly challenging day at work. And we'd been on a bike ride and we were just talking about where we wanted to go and kind of what we wanted to do. And I'd brought up this pipe dream we'd had a long time ago. When Carson was in grad school, we'd talked about traveling the U.S. and having him file a story in each state. And it seemed like just with the stress of work and and where we were at, I just proposed it. I said, what if we did it now? You know, we don't have kids. We don't have a mortgage. We're very flexible at this point in our lives. And we could just do it. So after that bike ride, we went home and researched what we could potentially do and thought that buying an old travel trailer was the most affordable option and would allow us to fix it up ourselves, which we were both interested in doing. So we spent a year fixing up the trailer and getting ready to leave. And then we left on December 7th of last year and got home December 6th of this year. So we were on the road for 364 days. Yeah, and honestly, like... Part of the impetus, too, is that we were a little bit worried about getting a little stagnant in Nebraska. Like, we both loved it, but we hadn't planned on returning after grad school for very long, and we were already, like, two years home at that point. So we just thought, like, if we're going to do something, 
let's get out on the road and do it this year and then see where to go after that. But it just kind of seemed like the right time to do something like this. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say, Mel, that um, you were the instigator. You kind of put the, the question out there because that's exactly what happened with my wife and I. She was the one who was like, why don't we go live overseas for you? It's usually me is the one kind of coming yeah. up with those crazy ideas. <laughs> but it right. was, um, but it's so cool that you kind of – I think that's like maybe, Carson, you, you, you're similar to me. Is like when the other person puts those questions out, you, out there, you're like, hold on, this could really mean it's possible now. <laughs> Yeah, that's when it felt real is when she suggested it instead of me just pie in the sky. Yeah, I don't have to convince them anymore. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But do you think growing up in in a small town, like you you were saying, you you live in Nebraska and and Mm -hmm. Nebraska is pretty much, and correct me if I'm wrong, like mid-middle America? Yeah, Yeah. that's right, right in the middle. (laughs) And I I actually think I drove through it. Um, I when we were driving from Breckenridge. <laughs> you recall much of that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. I actually remember a lot of a lot of um, kind of beautiful farm sceneries, which I'm sure growing up there you might get a little bit sick of. But do you think growing up in those small towns really kind of propelled, propelled you to, to really want to travel and hit the road? Yeah, I think so. We've both talked about this, mm-hmm. and I feel like we're both from really small towns. We're from a town of 1,000 people, and Carson's from a town of 3,000 people. And you either grow up really liking that experience and connecting to it or you don't. And I don't think either one of us, while we were both very fortunate to have that experience, it was very idyllic in certain ways. We also both kind of felt like that was an environment, even at a young age that we wanted to stay in. And so the idea of traveling was really important to us, especially since we'd both been in school and then grad school back to back for about a decade and so we were anxious to really see what was out there. And I don't, that's how I feel about it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And we had both, I think, seen enough outside of Nebraska at an early age to know like, <laughs> that there were other cool places yeah. in the country to see. You know, We knew there was room to explore, so we were kind of ready to take advantage of that. And I'm sure if you've been looking at those beautiful hay barrels in the distance your whole life, you're uh, not as interested in them anymore. Yeah, that loses a little bit of its sheen. You know, a cornfield can be pretty, but every day gets a little yeah. weary at a certain point. And you mentioned too, Mel, that, uh, you know, you kind of had that stress of work and and that craziness. Do, you know, do you feel that that was, was also kind of a, a bit of the catalyst uh, that those questions kind of going through your head? You know what? Is this it? Let's just kind of hit the road. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I had a very stressful but rewarding job. And there were just days when I would come home and think there has got to be more than me just being stressed out 60 hours a week. You know, I just really felt like I wanted to have a better work life balance and that maybe a trip like this would give me the opportunity to really step back and say, do I want to do what I'm doing for the rest of my life? Do I want to try something else? And would maybe give me a little perspective because I mean, it really, you live a long life, you know, 40 years of working, 50 years of working is a long time. And I think for me, I just wanted to make sure it was something I wanted to keep doing. Ah, yeah. Perfect. And the, Vintage trailer. So I understand buying something old and doing up, doing it up. You know, as you did mention, there's that. I guess that cost associated to that. But how was that? How was that experience? Kind of renovating and kind of bringing back to life this uh, this beautiful this beautiful machine. I think that was one of the like 
coolest parts for me anyway. I don't want to speak for Mel, but like we had, I guess, a year and a half of spending almost every weekend back home in Broken Bow. We'd travel three hours from Lincoln back to Broken Bow to work on it out of my parents' country house. And it was like a really good bonding experience with my dad working on the trailer and then just like you know seeing your ideas for the space come to life it was like a small enough package that you felt like you kind of had control over it most of the time yeah it was a really creative process too we had a lot of fun putting our own personal touches on the space and I don't regret for a second spending that much time doing it because it made life on the road that much more easier comfortable knowing that it was a space we had planned and worked on and knew every inch of. Yeah, and I think too, like when we we talk about these these big adventures, I I really find that the actual time away is just really a I guess a section of the journey because there's all that lead up and those changes and those decisions and you know even in in your case that bonding with your father Carson and and kind of building that each week each weekend you were kind of doing that for actually longer than the the adventure and yeah it just adds so much to it and you learn so much from that pre and and you guys are kind of going to go through it now even in that kind of post adventure Mm -hmm. yeah that's absolutely right like even if we had wanted to be spontaneous with the trip when you have a year and a half of renovations before you can even start it it's hard to hard to be spontaneous you know well i think with big decisions like this it's um it's a planned spontaneity yeah that's exactly right yeah definitely (laughs) but i love how you guys describe your travels on your website it's the chronic you chronicle the adventures of a writer an entrepreneur and their golden doodle costello as they renovate a vintage trailer and travel the united states for a year we'll file stories from the road start a business in a tiny house on wheels and pick up some local color along the way and like local color like i really love that phrase because I feel that's what traveling is all about and especially through the states it's just so great like you know the local color and the experiences on the way what have been some of the most I guess colorful areas that you've been to on your adventure yeah that's tough we always like when our friends and family and people that follow our website and stuff ask us that question we always like say we have to break it down into like two separate groups, like the geographical areas that we thought were really cool, like the state parks and national parks versus like the cities and urban areas that we were exploring. Yeah. I mean, for me, the Southwest, I ended up feeling really connected to and Mm -hmm. thought was so beautiful. That's just a landscape you obviously don't get a lot of in the Midwest. And so the red rocks and the mountains and valleys and all the hiking experiences there. The Southwest completely blew me away for that reason. Yeah, like Verde Valley in Arizona and then White Sands in New Mexico, yeah. even West Texas, all of the Southwest we really enjoyed. And then in terms of like urban stuff, we liked a lot of those Rust Belt cities we really connected to. Yeah. Like Milwaukee we liked a lot, Cleveland we liked a lot, uh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. A lot of those cities we thought were just gritty enough for us to really like sink our teeth into. Yeah, and all those cities there would... um definitely be a fair bit of color actually i've been through some of those and um uh-huh. I, I i'd usually get home before the street lights went on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good <call. laughs> but but, you, but we you, we also mentioned there in that piece about you starting a business on the road and i think starting a business anywhere has its challenges but how did you go about doing that on the road <laughs> well not without its trials and tribulations that's for darn sure um 
looking back on it, it was incredibly ambitious. I basically started my own online retail shop where I produced and sold handmade kitchenware. And it was exciting at the time. And I don't regret for a minute starting it on the trip because the trip is what gave me the space to start the business, which is something I'd always wanted to do when I was working. But my full time job just completely took over my life. So it gave me the space to do that, but it certainly was challenging. I mean, my parents have a big farm back home, and they were kind of my warehouse for most of the year, and so I'd be Skyping them back and forth, showing them product and having them show me product and asking them to ship things when I couldn't. And so it was definitely a tag team effort, but I'd say for both of us, since we both worked kind of full-time on the road, what shocked me was finding access to good Wi-Fi and cell service and internet, which were absolutely crucial to what we were both doing. And that was a huge challenge. I, I don't know if you guys experienced the same thing, but when you're in a remote area and you have no cell service, you then have no Wi-Fi and you cannot log onto your website or email people or call people. And so that was really, really challenging for us. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about the the Wi-Fi because that was, you know, we obviously needed that for Inga's design business when we were on the road, um, which is one of the main reasons we couldn't do the whole motorhome thing. But when we were in Clam Lake, which is in the, the north woods of Wisconsin in a town of 37 people, we actually had <laughs> we actually had optic fiber to the house. It was the fastest internet that we'd ever experienced. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> because Sorry. I think it was back in the, you know, the GFC or something like that. It was part of the shovel ready jobs or something like that. But when we were in the cities like Rhode Island, that was actually where we had our biggest internet issues it's um quite ironic yeah. yeah it's funny we actually had a similar scenario as yours in wisconsin we were in i guess outside of morgantown west virginia so in you know kind of the heart of appalachia at a state forest and it was like eight inches of snow on the ground and we were the only camper in the entire place and somehow we picked up wi-fi from somewhere nearby i guess and it was like very high speed internet and it was like the first time on the trip that we could just like stream movies and watch tv at night <laughs> It was like, it was a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. But you talk about, you know, I guess those, those issues, issues on the road. And, and when we look from the outside and we're following people on Instagram and we're, you know, seeing all these fun photos and things like that, like what were some of those, I guess, hurdles that you really had to get over on the road? You know, you were both working full time and as romantic as it is in a renovated vintage trailer, there's obviously some limitations there, but like what were what were some of the challenges for you guys on the road? Well, I think it's probably different for both of us, but for me, it was just both of us working in such a tiny space together at the same time. I don't know if you experienced this with your wife, but we work at different paces. We work on different projects, and when you're in 100 square feet, it's impossible to not have your work kind of spill over onto what the other person is doing. And so that was a little bit of a challenge. It was like, if I'm an early riser and I want to work at six, but Carson doesn't, can I realistically act like I'm working in that space without waking him up without like disturbing the other person? Mm -hmm. That was really difficult. I mean, just working in that space was so hard. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, if either one of you mutters anything under your breath, like you're <laughs> mad at your own work, the other person just assumes that you're pissing them off, you know, when it's yeah. just like the natural reaction you would have to your own work. But yeah. you're just so close together. It's hard not to feel tied, you know? Yeah. So it's really just the same 
issues that people have when they work with their partners at home. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, maybe to a greater degree here, I we have both, I've worked from home before when Carson was in school. And even then being able to shut the door and go into an office or even just take a conference call someplace else makes a huge difference here. You know, when you're in one, a one room trailer, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, I'll go take my conference call in the suburban. <laughs> like, it's just like hard to figure out how to work together without annoying each other. Yeah. But I guess it's really a key point when you think about it is because often we want to go on these trips and try something new, which I think is great. But there are still those similar issues or whether if they're not similar, there are different issues, different problems, different hurdles that we we have to overcome. I think that sometimes people are trying to strive for easy when when Mm. easy isn't always there. Yeah, absolutely. We we were talking to a reporter just yesterday about how like you see all these van lifers on Instagram and stuff, and they make every day you know seem like it's just this beautiful joy ride they're having. But like in reality, none of our days were like that in any way. You know, not that there weren't like really good, exciting times, but there's challenges you know in between all of them. Yeah, out of 364 days on the road, I can count on one hand when we were in a situation at a place and a time where I thought everything is so perfect right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most of the days were somewhat chaotic and had filled with stressful moments and you know, just not at mm-hmm. all I think what people would imagine. And I uh, you know, I I think that's life in general. But um, that's yeah. what kind of makes it fun and, and colorful. But, um, the, you know, I guess there's, there is this apprehension or, or uncertainty and worry that surrounds big decisions like this. And it's, it's, it's quite because it's quite different from the norm or quite different from, <laughs> from what we've been told. Like you guys were mentioning that you went to, to university and college for like nearly a decade and then you got these jobs and you kind of wanted to, to pack it up and hit the road. But how did you... I guess, you know, did you have any of those feelings before you hit the road or even whilst you were on the road? And if so, how did you, I guess, dig deep and, and get over those and, and make those decisions? Hmm. Hmm. I would say for me, the odd thing about the entire lead up to the trip for me was that I didn't have any anxiety about it. Um, I, was, I was anxious about leaving friends and family behind or other, you know, things of that nature. But I didn't worry too much about the trip itself. And for me, I think that was maybe the key to us doing it was that we didn't think too hard about it. We only took maybe a couple practice runs in the trailer when we had it all said and done. Mm -hmm. And saying that now and looking back, that seems sort of foolish. But I think if you stress too hard on it and think too hard about it, you would never leave because you would sit there and be thinking about all the things that can go wrong. I think it would just be stifling. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you tried to perfectly control and like plan out everything beforehand, it would just, I mean, there's no way to make the trip perfect. You know, like no matter how much planning you had done, you're still going to hit all these obstacles along the way. And that's like half the challenge, but also half the fun is like rolling with the punches like that. I completely agree with you, and I'm so glad that you said that, Mel, about kind of not having everything laid out because I feel that's one of the big things that stops people because they try to have everything planned out and then oh, it's not perfect, I can't do it, it's not perfect, I can't do it. And, and, and not even with big adventures like this, I just think with changes in their life, and I think that's often the things that holds people back. I know for us, when, when we got on the plane uh, – 
last December and we were heading over to Clam Lake, we only had that one place locked in for us. And we didn't know whether we were going to come back on the 1st of May. And we could have not have gone because we didn't have everything planned, but we just went, let's just go and see. And life just unfolds itself once you start walking forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um, we actually did the same thing. People are always shocked when we say we did not. I mean, we had basically how we planned the trip is we put up a big map on our wall for that year. And every so often we'd walk in and we'd say, okay, well, put a push pin on the place that you want to go in each of these states. And we didn't kind of pre-book anything. Lots of times people were reserved campsites a year in advance or whatever else. And we just didn't do that. We kind of would figure out where we were going next when we landed in the place before it. And I loved that about the trip. It gave us a lot more flexibility. And I often found that when we did plan two or three weeks in advance and book something, that's when we'd mess up. That's when we would have problems because we were pushing to get someplace. And that's just when it, thing, it seemed like chaos. Well, I think we actually spoke a little bit too much about Wi-Fi on that call because the Wi-Fi for us actually just dropped out there. But Mel, you were kind of talking about you know, when, when we plan and when we have those expectations and, and I completely agree with you, there's sometimes when we plan too much or we have expectations of what's going to happen, if it doesn't reach that, then, you know, we kind of get upset. But if we actually just kind of go with the flow and allow things to happen and not be as planned, we're really just excited at the, whatever kind of happens and of the outcome. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I was mentioning that the times when we did try and plan out in advance, i.e. booking a campground three weeks you know, too early or whatever else, or pushing to get to a place, that seemed to be when we had the most chaos and we would have things break down or we would have problems or we would start arguing about whether or not we wanted to be going in that direction and how quickly to get there. And I think for me, one of the biggest surprises on the trip was that when we went to a place that we had no expectations for, those those places ended up sticking with us the most and we had the most fun. And I can think New Hampshire was a state like that for us where it was a complete blank slate. We had no idea what to expect. We were actually really trying to just get to Vermont, which is a place we thought we'd really like and ended up having a pretty magical week in New Hampshire at a really, really serene lake, lake over 4th of July and I just think it's those moments that you, like you said, you cannot plan for those things and you just have to roll with the punches. Uh, I completely agree. And I guess when you talk about planning it or, or, or not planning, you actually had a little furry friend with you on the whole trip. And we did, we did mention, <laughs> mention him earlier. And I guess even though you don't have any kids, you really were a family of four on this trip. You know, obviously there's yourself, Carson and Mel, but there's also your, your beautiful trailer, which um, you named Elise. And obviously your furry friend, Costello, the golden doodle. Now here in Australia, we actually, so the golden doodle is a mix between a uh, poodle and a golden retriever i think we call them like gravoodles or something over here but i actually love the name golden doodle because i think deep down everyone would prefer that but what was it like you know traveling and you know being on this this journey with this this dog and i must say costello is not the smallest of dogs but you were in quite a, you were in quite a small space, and for anyone that's been kind of following your journey as I have, you guys are definitely proud parents. But what was it like hitting the road with um such a, a beautiful creature? 
Yeah, well, he's about 70 pounds, so you're right. He took up plenty of space in the trailer, but it actually worked out pretty good because there's a crawl space right underneath our bed that was just like we planned on using it for storage. It's really a small space, but for whatever reason, Costello ended up really loving that space, and he just like shimmies his way under the bed. So when he was just hanging out in the trailer, he was almost like completely out of the way unless we wanted him out of there. He just kind of hid himself in there. Uh, but what we always tell people about traveling with the dog is that he was like the one piece of home that we kind of took with us. You know, like we left most of our possessions behind to even fit in the trailer. But Costello was like the one familiar thing that, you know, was consistent each day. Just keeping up the routine with the dog was a nice familiar way to start the day. Mm-hmm. And do you think having him actually changed the things that you would do? I would say yes and no. Um- um, the dog was a contentious issue for some of our friends and family. They could not believe that we wanted to bring Costello along and just couldn't fathom what we would do with him during the day when we were out and about and exploring. But what we told people and what happened on the trip is that when we're not home and he's at the apartment, he's just laying in one place anyway. And that's exactly what he did when we were gone. So, you know, sometimes we would bring him with us when we could and he'd either just hang out in the car when he couldn't come into a store or certain places, or he'd hang out in the trailer. And in both of those instances, he was perfectly happy. And so I'm happy to say that I really don't think he changed the trajectory of the trip at all. If anything, he was definitely a magnet for attention and mm-hmm. something for people to talk about. We had Costello out. It seemed like that was an easy way to make friends because people would walk up to him and want to pet him. He's a very goofy looking dog so he was kind of a catalyst for meeting people in some instances and that was a benefit i think most dog owners would also tell you that you know it kind of prevents you from being too lazy i mean at at the least you have to take him out twice a day and walk him (laughs) around and stuff so on the days when we wanted to be lazier than we would have normally costello was a a good impetus to get out and walk around and see the park a little more and that kind of thing yeah, and it's also one of the things I really love about America. You know, like I love the landscapes and the national parks, but I just love it how you can you can take dogs pretty much anywhere in the United States. Like back back here in Australia, it's it's hard to travel with a dog. You know, you've got no chance of staying in a motel or a hotel with a dog, and it's yeah. even hard to stay at like caravan parks. Um, with dogs and or trailer parks, as you might call them with dogs. Um, and it, yeah, it just makes it so difficult, but having, as you said, that piece of home with you. And for me, I'm a huge animal lover and especially dogs. Like they, they just give you so much and to have that on the road would, would just be priceless. Yeah, absolutely. And like one of the big benefits for us of staying in a lot more state parks than the national parks is that most of America's national parks still aren't dog friendly. Really. You can't take dogs on the trails in national parks, but in the state parks, almost all of them are dog friendly. Mm -hmm. So we could go hiking all day long in most of our state parks with the dog and have no problems at all. You also mentioned before Carson that you, when you came on the road, you, you didn't take a lot of your possessions and, and Costello kind of made you feel like home, but, now that you've been back, and I know you've only been back for a couple of weeks, but where do you – living with less is kind of one of the things that, that I'm about. Do you feel that being on the road, you've had to live with less? Do you think that you're going to bring any of those philosophies back to that normality of life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think – I mean, that was one 
sort of philosophy that we did fall into. Like we weren't big, like tiny home people or anything like that prior to the trip. We mostly just wanted to travel. And the only way for us to travel was to downsize. But like coming out of it on the back end of a year on the road, like you do realize pretty quickly in a, you know, 160 square foot trailer that you just don't need so much of what you think you did before. You know, we only needed a couple dishes on the road. We only Mm -hmm. needed, you know, change the clothes like just so many of the small things that you need so much of you really don't and you forget that pretty quickly and that's I think a good thing yeah I would also say too one of the questions I got a lot was if I was shopping and I really didn't I didn't shop the entire year I didn't we didn't buy anything new we didn't collect souvenirs and that kind of habit was so good for both of us. I think mm-hmm. we were on a budget, which is one of the reasons we didn't do it. But the other reason is that we simply didn't have space to just tote around things we didn't need. And so I'm definitely going to carry that mindset forward with me. I think less is better mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's one of the things, you know, I say this a lot of the time. That's one of the things I love about traveling. As you can probably tell, I have a lot of things I love about traveling. But one of the things I really do <laughs> love is often when that choice is taken away from you. Like you didn't have a choice to shop as much because of the budget and the space. And then all of a sudden those habits form that you can then bring back into, into normal life. You know, one of the big things for us was we couldn't have Wi-Fi when we were over in the States because of the, our phone here in Australia didn't connect. Um, so we couldn't have data on our phone. So the only time that we could actually get online was when we were connected to Wi-Fi. Now coming back, you're like, that was really hard for us us at first because everyone's so used to just being connected all the time but what I what I learned with not having kind of roaming data is that you know I was more engaged with my daughter and and all that kind of thing and now that we've come back I just I just don't have data on my phone and as archaic as that might sound it's been it's just so good to to not have that choice anymore but like you know that's I guess one of the big things that I learned on the road like what was what were some of the big lessons or those key takeaways that that you have from uh, your little adventure I mean I think we definitely learned honestly like the exact same lesson you just yeah. talked about another one that I was thinking of is you know like we used to be the people we were we've always been big readers anyway but like you know when we go to bed at night we used to watch TV for an hour or whatever, like too much of it, probably everybody does. But on the road, like, you know, we can't stream things every night. So we stopped doing that. And we like really quickly fell into a routine of just reading a lot more. And you, when you go to bed reading, you just feel a little more satisfied when you wake up in the morning. And it was really nice to see like how many novels we were going through in a year, just like getting back into reading as like your primary means of entertainment was actually like a really satisfying yeah, I would say too, I really cherished all the time we spent outside and outdoors. We were both big runners before we left. And I used to do that thing where right before I would go to work or right after work, I'd make sure I'd get my four or five miles in. And on the trip, we really got in a habit of just skipping that in lieu of going hiking or walk or doing some urban hiking. And I loved that part of the trip. It was just a nice way to see things and explore and and really slow down a little bit mm-hmm. and appreciate nature and the things around you. And I, even if we settle in one spot moving forward, that's something I want to continue to do. 
Well, I, I think they're two great things. If people could read more and spend more time in nature, I think that their their life would definitely be going up. But you, you, you talk about, you know, settling down potentially or, or still hitting the road. What are the thoughts around that? Are the, are the wheels on the trailer stopping for a little bit? Yeah, I think for now they are. We really enjoyed the year on the road. and But at the same time, I think we both are ready to be part of a community again. And not that we weren't when we were traveling, but particularly after all the kind of what happened over here in the States this year with the election and other things going on, it reminded us that we're both community-driven people. We'd love to be in a place where we can get involved in issues we care about about where we can volunteer where we can do those types of activities and that's a little bit harder on the road I'm sure other people have found ways to do it but I am looking forward to spending some time getting to know a new place and settling into that community yeah Yeah, I mean the flip side of travel and being constantly you know in motion is that you never really have a chance to invest in your immediate surroundings so you know you'd meet some people or find an issue that you cared about and then three days later, you know, you say goodbye and keep moving. So I think we're ready to like be able to invest in some, so that we care yeah. about and some community organized kind of support. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. I feel that that connection with people and as much as you do get to see and meet a lot of people when you are traveling um, and you can still go deep. Like I definitely went deep with a lot of people, you know, I guess different to you guys, you guys were in a new state every week where I, I spent kind of months in little communities. So it's a little bit different that way, but it, it is, there is uh-huh. something, there is something different when it's your home community and you can really dive deep into, into certain issues as you did mention. But um, just before we go today, I, I have one final question that I ask all my guests and that is to describe your perfect day. Ooh, should we do this separately? Well, if your perfect day is separate, then definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go first? Well, yeah. They might be the same. We'll find yeah. out here. <laughs> I think my perfect day, and we had a few of these on the road, would be to wake up kind of early, maybe around eight or nine, and have a cup of coffee, start with reading a chapter or two in my book, and do a little work in the morning. Then around noon, take a hike, get outside, spend two or three hours maybe canoeing or hiking or doing something really physical. After that, definitely following it up with a beer. <laughs> a beer outside on the picnic table or at a, at a place in town would be really fun. And then cooking supper at home and, and finishing the day the way we started, kind of reading and relaxing a little bit. That's kind of my perfect day. Yeah, no, she nailed it, Mike. That's literally <laughs> what I would have said. <laughs> well, it sounds pretty good. And hey, c- canoes and beers, they're, uh, they're always uh, high in my book as well. But uh, I just want to thank yeah. you. I want to thank you both for you know, your time today and your amazing adventures. And, and I, I really hope that people understand that you know, these kind of adventures are really only a few decisions away. But if people want to reach out to you, learn more about you, follow your adventure, or just want to see how cute Castillo really is what's the best way for uh, people to do that yeah uh they should check out uh localcolorxc.com and then you can always shoot us an email at hello at localcolorxc.com mm-hmm. and we're on instagram and twitter as well and facebook 
Oh, perfect. Well, I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes at liveimmediately.com like usual. And do you guys have any final words, anything that I've, I've missed out before we go? I think you covered it. Thanks so much yeah, for the invite. We appreciate it. Oh, you're more than welcome. And uh, thank you again, Mel and Carson. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.